across the house. Would you lift your hands for just a moment and just worship him, Jesus? You're worthy. You're worthy on a Wednesday night in the middle of the week. God, you are worthy. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, can you lift up your voice and just praise him for just a moment? God, you're worthy. We worship your name, Jesus. You are worthy to be praised, God. You are such a savior, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Can you give him a hand clap of praise, Lord? We lift an ovation of worship to him, Jesus. You are worthy. Thank you, Jesus. At this time, all of the teenagers, 10-year-old and up, please go to the very back building. If you are here and you are six to nine years old, you can go in the room right next to us, except for my kids who get to stay in here. <laughs> Today is Rue's birthday. Rue, happy birthday to you. She turned six years old today so we now have 17 15 9 6 2 and 1 somebody pray i mean congratulations on your birthday we love our little girl so happy everybody's here on a wednesday night if you're happy to be here on a wednesday night say i'm happy i love church in the middle of the week i enjoy being able to do this and i really really enjoy who is coming to speak to us tonight brother david griffith is speaking to us this evening hey i want to give a quick report because we're not live sunday night in case you who, who all was not here sunday evening for fireworks i know we got a few here i want to tell you what happened sunday evening sunday evening for fireworks we had 400 plus we don't know exactly how many people we had um tons of people we are baptizing three people from a fireworks show for the record, from Sunday night. So it was a wonderful, wonderful evening. Met a lot of people. And I'll say this because my apostolic folks will really appreciate this. But uh, there was a couple who uh, came to me and they said, Pastor, we have a question. I said, yes. They said, um, or would you baptize us in Jesus' name? And I said, first of all, you found the right guy. Second of all, what makes you ask that question? <laughs> and they said, well, they said, we have been reading our Bible, and we have a conviction about being baptized in Jesus' name. And they said, it's just my husband and I. She said, it's just my husband and I. And uh, she said, we've asked nine pastors, and they've all told us no. And he said, I'm so worried about my wife that I baptized her in the bathtub. And uh, he said, I want to know if you'll baptize us. I said, by all means, I will surely I will assuredly baptize you. So this Sunday, we're going to be baptizing several people in the name of Jesus, probably in a pond down the road. But thank you, Jesus. My point is this, is that there are people out there who are still hungry for the word of God. There's people out there, there's people in this world that they're, they're needing truth. We live in a world that, is, that has, has distorted truth. Everybody's truth now is their own version of what they feel like is right, what they feel like is good. But I believe that there is a truth, and it's found in the Word of God. Come on, somebody. I believe that there is the truth, and it's found through a man by the name of Jesus. And I believe that we can offer a truth and the truth to the world around us. Come on, somebody. Brother David, before I start preaching, get up here and talk to us. for Preach to us for a little bit. Y'all hey, give him a hand. For everything that he's done, and I look forward to hearing the word of God from you tonight. We love you. We love you very, very much, and your bald head. Amen. Um, man, what a privilege to be here. Um, I, I want to tell you, my wife and I and, and my family that have visited, we enjoy this church. I got to tell you that, Pastor. Um, you know, we've been to 
to quite a few churches, raised in church. I think we were church to death when we were kids. We went on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Tuesday night, Thursday night, Saturday night. And if we were having revival, you know, every night. And we were just, man, we were kids, you know. But, um, you know, it's amazing what you retain when you're, when you're under the Word of God um, that often for that long. Um, I use the King James Bible because if, if I'm going to quote Scripture, it's going to come out that way just because, <laughs> uh, you know, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Tuesday night, Thursday night, Saturday night, King James, okay? So uh, it's... <laughs> Uh, it's okay if you don't. That's fine. I have I have gleaned a lot of of um, insight from other versions. I study other versions, and so I want to make sure that um, that you know that. So I, I'm okay with whatever version you're using, as long as it's not the Branch Davidian version. So, okay, so we'll be good. Um, you know, Philip asked me what my my message was, and I, I gave the title of my message. By the way, is um, the back of the house. And he said, uh, Jesse came to me and said, David, I need to have my wife move off the back row. <laughs> and I said, no, I said, because the back of the house is back here. Is back here. Um, so, you know, let me tell you just a little bit about what inspired this message. And, you know, it's amazing how God uses things in our lives. And he He ministers to us and he, he brings us to, um, you know, a real truth sometimes by what we're going through. So currently, um, I'm, I'm a director of, um, of environmental at the hospital that I work at, and I have about 100 employees. And, um, and every day, it's, it's a new testimony. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, sometimes I have 100, sometimes I have 80, and then 100 again. And then, I, you know, so it's, it's a challenge, especially right now. So, but, but what we're actually going through right now is we're, we're in, anybody in the military here or was in the military? Anybody that was in the Marines? Well, if you were in the military, you know what the last week of the Marines are, right? Okay, we have two weeks of that, the next two weeks, okay. <laughs> um, so I told my managers, I said, you know, tell your family goodbye for the next two weeks, and you're going to you know, put a cot here in the hospital because we have probably the largest inspection of, of my career as the president of our company is coming, actually. And so... Um, we have a lot to do, and uh, as my vice president walked through today, it was very frustrating because I know we're not there, and you know she's pointing at this and that. I'm like, I I know, I know, I'm wasting my time walking around with you because I know, okay. <laughs> so um, so that that's going on, but this, you know, God actually when when um, Pastor Brandon asked me to speak, I was like, Lord, what am I going to speak on? You know, and. Within a couple weeks of him asking me, and it's been some time, in fact, I thought it was next week, but uh, Sunday I found out it was tonight, so uh, it's okay. <laughs> That's okay because this whole time God has really been dealing with me about this message uh, because in this message there's a lot of truth and a lot of things I think that we can relate to and, and things that that will change our lives. Um, so I'll get started with a word of prayer if you'll bow your heads with me. Father God. I thank you for an opportunity, Lord, to stand in this place. And Lord, it's a, a place of honor, Lord, and a place of reverence. And God, I stand before you today, not a perfect man, but I stand before you willing and open and forgiven and thankful for your son, for your blood, for your love, for your sacrifice, and for this word, God, that's going to come forth tonight. And I just ask that your spirit, Lord, would take control 
God, and that you would just touch me this night that I may bring your word forth as your spirit would have me bring it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So the back of the house, if any of you, has any of you ever worked in a service business? Yes, restaurants, hotels, um, uh, any type of service business. Um, you, you have something called the back of the house. Does everybody understand that now, now when I say that from that perspective? Back of the house is, is back there. That's why I say it's back there. Out here would be the front of the house, right? We, we, get, we make this look really good. We vacuum the front of the house, yeah? The chair gets a spot on it. We take it outside and pressure wash it or dry clean it, whatever we can do, okay? We want it to be presentable for people to come in because this is the face of our business or it's the face of our service. But there is a whole nother face to our business, right? And it's, it's not pretty all the time. You know, if it's a restaurant, we, we hope it's clean, okay? But sometimes... It's, maybe it's not. All right. So, so that's kind of uh, uh, of where I'm going with this message. We're talking about summer baggage, and by the time I get to the end of this, I think you're going to realize that there may be something there that's in the back of the house. Maybe something that's not presented to the general public. Maybe something that you don't let people see. Okay, that's not pretty, um, and it's you don't have to look at your neighbor because they're thinking about their own stuff in the back of the house that's not pretty, okay? Because you, there's nobody in this building you can look at and say, oh, well, they don't have any in the back of their house, okay? Um, it, because we're human beings and we're people and we're imperfect and we strive to be like Christ and we strive to follow after him and we strive to keep ourselves covered by his blood, correct? Amen. So, if I can read this, I have my do not have my glasses, but I have my contacts. So I read with this one, and I can see you out there with this one. It's really, it's really. I don't know why they do that. I, you know, what's wrong with making both of them work? Cause I'm night blind. When I drive at night, I can't. My dash, I can't. I look down and I see it. I'm going 75, and I look up and I'm like, oh my god, there's a car right there. So, okay. Um, so if you've ever worked in the service industry, then you know that the back of the house is. Yeah, it you know it's where the kitchen's at. It's where the food prep area is at. It's the freezer, the cooler, the dry stock room. Anybody work at Walmart? Has anyone ever worked at Walmart? My daughter and my wife. Y'all both worked at Walmart. Well, interesting. That's right. Uh, well, I have worked in Walmart uh, as a vendor. Can I tell you, Walmart doesn't like vendors. They. You're the lowest of the low. They will make you stand outside in the rain with your product just falling off the cart because someone's in front of you, okay? That, okay, anyway, so we, we try not to shop at Walmart. Like I said, I will never shop there again. Uh, it, the back of their house is really, really large. There's a lot of room. There's a lot of shelves. It's from the ceiling to the floor. Um, they, they have different sections. Obviously they have different sections because you don't put food in the clothing section in the back of the house. So, so they have it all divided apart and, you know, coolers and freezers and balers and compactors. And all of that is to handle what goes out front. It's all to prepare for what goes out front and discard what goes out front, what it come, what it, what it shipped in. Okay. So they, they get rid of those things. There's trash back there. It's not a pretty place. It's it's 
it's cluttered. It's it's uh, sometimes, well, I don't know if Walmart's disorganized or not. They have a label for everything and a place for everything, and it should be there in most cases. But every place is not like that. Um, there, there are places that people t- take things to the back of the house and they set it on the shelf. And sometimes it's broken, but we set it on the shelf because maybe it has a sentimental value. You know, maybe it was the first one we ever used for our business. Maybe we plan on sending it off for repair, but we just hadn't got around to it, and it sits there for a couple years till you forget it's there at all. Um, so you, you you think about that. I want you to think about uh, maybe a dry cleaners. Uh, you, you have a place for the completed clothes. You, you, those are the ones that stay on that big, you know, rotating thing, and you swear they pass your clothes three or four times before they pull them off, right? Because John's got the same shirt you do, and you swear that was yours, okay? Um, but finally, they get to your clothes, and they and they they bring them out, and they give them to you. There's so much space dedicated to certain things. There's a lot of space for processing. There's a lot of space for just storage, uh, for cleanup. Um, we, we built some, some new area onto our hospital recently for our... Um, um, our our intern program for new medical students, and they got it almost completely built. Well, no one consulted me, all right? So they had no toilet paper dispensers, no paper towel dispensers. They had, <laughs> okay, they were missing a lot of important stuff, you know, and they found that out um, the hard way. So, we, you know, then, then, of course, it's a knee-jerk reaction to David. Can you get us this stuff, like, tonight? Well, well, no, I can't because the entire world is, you know, is is lacking on processing and production and and all of that. So it's going to take a minute. So, so, you know, a lot of times, maybe we don't have what we need back there when we need it. Maybe it's not in stock. Ever got to the store recently, <laughs> most recently, and they didn't have the item you're looking for, right? Because a truck didn't make it in gas was too high and they're on the side of the road somewhere <laughs> okay uh they didn't have it because production was bad because they're they're you know because of covid and and workers are now six feet apart instead of two feet apart and and, and it, it hindered everything so you have a problem getting what you want all right well the back of the house is supposed to solve that problem but it doesn't always do that so back to the message at hand in the hospital we have a back of the house. Um, we, we have an entire floor dedicated to, um, I can't say that in church, <laughs> just crap, okay? <laughs> that's, that's, that's the nicest word I can think of. Uh, just junk, just stuff, just, you, you know, it, it could have been gone 15 years ago and it's still there. And who's going to make the decision to get rid of it? Well, no one because... Nobody knows why, okay? Or nobody knows it's there. Some people don't even know we had that floor. You know, we don't even, why do we even have that lever? Okay. Uh, so in the hospital, we, 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 we had that place. And, you know, it's interesting when, when you have an inspection coming like myself, uh, and some of you guys in the military, you know, you, you got inspected all the time, right? And there was some expectation that went along with that, right? 
there was a certain level of cleanliness. There was a certain level of tidiness that was expected. If it didn't happen, you were going to build chest muscles really quickly. All right. Um, so in a hospital, the same way, some of our, our storage areas, that's in the back of the house, the morgue. Well, it's not in the front of the house. It's in the back of the house. All right. It'd be awkward. I get on the elevator sometime on the visitor elevator and I'm coming down. I'm like, what floor would you like to the visitor? And I say one. I said, all right. I said, well, I'm headed down to the basement. <laughs> well, there's no basement there. <laughs> you know, they just look at me like I'm not going there. Uh, so we have supply areas. We have equipment rooms. That's the biggie. You know, for me, I walked upstairs to that third floor and um, wow, <laughs> what a mess. I don't go there often. You know, someone's supposed to be managing that. <laughs> Who could that be? All right. <laughs> I'm sure it's one of my people. <laughs> uh, so I went there and I was like, my Lord, we, we, we have a lot, well, a lot of work to do just up here in this, just in the back of the house. Because the guy that's coming to inspect believes the back of the house reflects the front of the house. And so that's a big deal to him. How does our equipment look? How do our floors look? You know, what, what does it look like? Now, can I tell you a little story about that? <clears throat> there, this back of the house where all my equipment that makes everything look good is, has one elevator. It's on the back dock. There's no other way in. Well, not too long ago, I was having a, a different inspection, and about 15, 15, 20 days out of the inspection, that elevator broke with all my equipment upstairs. Equipment where the batteries weigh 500 pounds. You, you're not gonna tote that down the stairs. And I'm expected to produce a good product with no tools. Anybody ever had an expectation like that? You know, it, it's very frustrating, isn't it? And, and you think, God, what am, what am I supposed to do? Well, so I prayed, and our equipment became available, and the elevator became working two days prior to the visit. Wasn't a big help, but we were able to manage. So while the back of the house may be cluttered, it may be stocked, it may be full, it may be dirty, there's some importance to it. There's some things back there that you need. There's some things you should keep, right? If you go back to your memory bank, there's some there's some good memories, right? You don't you don't want to lose those. You want to hold on to those. There's also some bad ones you'd like to forget about. So, here's where where what I would like to do. The the place is seen by the pu by the public typically hidden away or the places unseen by the public are typically hidden away intentionally. There's a reason for it. They're hidden because it isn't the focus point of the presentation. The place is, This place is hidden because the farther back you go, the worse it usually gets. Because in the very, very way, way back, that's where the dumpsters are, right? That's where the trash is. And you, find, you walk far enough in, you go deep enough, and you're going to get to the garbage. And the area where things can be placed... When no longer used, that's the back of the house. Shelves designed to store items for later use. Shelves designed to store items that may be seasonal. 
I'm on, I'll hold off on that one. That's like a whole message. Uh, The place where we can hide our broken things, our broken things. Maybe these things are broken, but they have some sentimental value. We talked about that of some sort. Maybe they just, we just aren't ready to let go. You know, as, as life happens, things change, circumstances change. Our taste changes. Um, I used to didn't like certain foods. Now I do. I have a taste for the flavor. Um, oysters is not one of those. I'm sorry. I, I, every 15 years, I, I try some. I try about a half a dozen, and every 15 years, I decide <laughs> I can wait another 15 years before I have to try another one. I, you know, I mean, it's kind of like that craving comes, and you're satisfied, and you're good for another 15 years, and you're okay. And that, that's me with them. Um, so some things we just aren't ready to let go of. Um, and that's okay. That's okay. Uh, I believe there are, maybe there are, are things that's transpired in our life that are great lessons that we need to hold on to. Maybe, maybe the, the failure or the, or the incident or whatever it was is a lesson you never want to forget, right? So there's a place back there for that. It's not something you want to put out there in public all the time, but there's a place for it, and that's okay. I want to tell you about Christmas at my house. <clears throat> we have so much stuff, <laughs> don't we, honey? <laughs> Not near as much as before we moved, because we got rid of some stuff before we moved. But we have we have a lot of stuff, and it is in the attic. That is the that is the well. Until we got this house, we're in. We have a room we don't even use, so <laughs> we keep the door closed. It's the back of the house. Um, so all of our Christmas stuff we used to keep in the attic. And boy, I hated I hated getting up there and getting that stuff down. I was glad it was only you know once a year. But there was a place for it, right? It was beautiful. It it, it 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 made the house look great. It it lit it up, and there was a place for it. But it was so frustrating to get to. I I would be okay if we got rid of it. Sorry, honey. Uh, no matter how frustrating it is getting them back, out of sight, out of mind. Right. We have some stuff that we put out of sight, out of mind. Right. We've we've just put it back there on the shelf. Oddly enough, um, it's the place where we store our suitcases. For our next trip down bad memory lane. Isn't that sad? You know, as I thought about the suitcases up here and I thought about pastor and everyone that's preached on baggage it's great emptying them out but then we store them away so we can use them next time next time we're hurt or next time we're offended or next time somebody does us wrong and sometimes there are things that are hurtful 
and it's hard to let go. We keep that suitcase just in case we need to pick it up again. It's amazing how we manage to get rid of that baggage, but we keep the suitcases. Our intentions are to lay it at the feet of Jesus. There's a saying it says, the road to hell is paved with good intentions, right? There's another saying, it was by C.S. Lewis. He said it in the screw tape letters. He said, the safest road to hell is the gradual one, the gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turning, without milestones, and without signposts. Isn't that something? And it's so, such a gentle road, many don't realize they may be on it. And maybe they never intended to get there. Maybe they took the wrong exit and ended up on a just nice, pleasant highway. Uh, let me, can I tell you that I love getting on 29 and driving up to Molino. It's some of the most beautiful property. It's some of the most beautiful green rolling hills. I absolutely love it. And the road's like that, okay? The easy road. So. What I want to do and what we should want to do is be the signpost. We need to be the signpost. That says turn around before it's too late. I want to be an obstacle in your way so that I may deter you from destruction. I want to be the contractor that puts a sudden turn in the road so that you are awakened from your complacency. I want to be the speed bumps that wake you from your sleep while driving the road to sudden death. The danger in the back of the house is the clutter. The danger, the disaster lies on every shelf, in every corner, through every door. It's time we clean the back of the house so that the front of the house will be a reflection, a true reflection of what's back there. You know, I'm reminded, and this is not even my scripture, but I'm reminded of the widow woman. And I hope I get the story right. It's, I didn't read it. It's been a long time, but it came to my mind. Maybe she wasn't a widow. Anyway, correct me if I'm wrong, Brandon. Uh, she built a room onto her house for the prophet, right? The Shunammite, that's right. She built a room onto the house for the prophet. Um, and he came, and the Bible said, <laughs> man, I remember preaching this message. I'm sorry. I just love God. And I love what he's done for me and what he means to me. And when I think about the pureness and the sanctity of his word, it's so powerful. And she, the Bible said that she came and stood in the doorway. 
ask of him. She asked of him. I believe it was the time when she asked of him for a son. And he spoke it into her life. Sometimes we have to stand in the doorway and we have to say, God, this is what I desire more than anything. This is what I want. It's to have a true revelation of who you are. It's to have something birth forth in me that can't be changed, can't be taken away. And you can read the rest of that story. It's a very powerful story. But what I want to tell you is we have to be the one that's willing to lead people to him. We have to be the one that's stopping them from going the wrong way. You say, well, that's not really my place. No, it's your place. Every day that you live for Christ, it's your place to stop people from going to hell. It's your place to witness to them and to testify to them. You know, the best witness you have is your testimony, what God has done for me, and I know he can do it for you. They don't bother me, by the way. So our outward man will reflect what's inside at some point in our life. Let us pray that God allows this to be revealed to us before it causes disaster. Don't let the hidden places in our heart and minds store past hurts, fears, judgments, feelings, bitterness, and pain that lead you to destruction. So you say, how do I fix it? After what may, may be considered one of King David's greatest failures, his words of repentance rang out in the ears of a loving God. I want to read this passage of Scripture to you. It's 19 verses. It's Psalms 51. It says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to thy loving kindness. According unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. So the first thing he did, he said, have mercy upon me. I'm, I, I'm lost. I'm a sinner. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge, then he acknowledged. All right? I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest. And be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sin and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then I will teach transgressors thy ways and sinners shall be converted unto thee. 
Deliver me from the blood guiltiness, O God, thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise, for thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou desirest not a burnt off, not in burnt offering. The sacrifice of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Do good unto thy good pleasure unto Zion. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem. Then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offerings and whole burnt offering. Then shall they offer bullocks upon thine altar. That's how. You see, in the inspiration, my inspiration, the judge or God, my expectation, the best effort possible, the work needed, seemingly unattainable sometimes, but God gives us grace and strength. The cleaning, grueling, difficult, painful. The details, every hidden place, every hidden corner, every hidden shelf. The challenges, everything of no value removed, some things we may value removed. The solution, complete release of our desires and plans. The victory after the work, after the inspection is over, after the judgment, after it's finally over, then the praise, reward that is unmatched, promoted to a higher place. And then the end. So I, I, I want us, just in your own mind, if you'll just close your eyes with me just for a moment. And I would like to, I would just like you to go into the presence of God with me. Just before him where he is, his throne his throne room, his place of habitation. Can you see him there? And I want you just to say, God, all of these things in the back of this house, I ask you help me to release them. Help me turn them over to you. Help me put them down on the altar so that you may take them. And where those things once set, that you would help me by your spirit, by your blood, cleanse those places that I may be free, free from the clutter, free from the sin, free from the guilt, free from those feelings of inadequacy, Free from, free from those feelings of inferiority. Free from all of those things that bind us. And I thank you for this, my Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You believe it tonight? God loves doing that. He loves reaching into our life and changing things. You believe in miracles, right? You believe in healing, right? Then you can believe in being set free. Right? It takes something greater than you and I to set us free. It takes someone bigger than you and I to set us free. 
But he was here tonight to do that for you. Amen. Thank you, Brother David. Uh, the one thing that he read that uh, leaned over to Miranda and said something, Psalms chapter 51 was written prior to the cross. But it's a typology of the cross. One of the things that I love about it is he made the statement, David made the statement in his writing, and he said, he was talking about the hyssop, the purge. One of the things that we see at the cross is hyssop whenever they're offering, of course, Jesus something. And he also made the statement of break not my legs. And what stands out to me is even before the cross, though crucifixion was not uncommon, he makes a statement of feed me the things that I don't want. That's really what he's saying. In order for me to be holy, in order for sanctification for my Church of Christ people to take place, then I'm going to have to be fed some things that I don't like. And if we've ever lived in a time where I think people need to be fed some things they don't like, <laughs> we live in it today. But David makes the comment. He says, he says, you know, he says, purge me. And then he says, break not my legs. What is he saying? What happened whenever they broke the legs of Jesus on the cross? It created a position of which that he could no longer fill his lungs to breathe, which, of course, brought on death. And then, of course, there's a spear which assured that death. And whenever he said that tonight, the first thing I thought about was my own life. Most of you know that I have a heavy uh, history of addiction. And one of the things I'll never forget, there was one time in my life where it was Christmas time. And um, I was driving a Nissan Frontier. Y'all remember those? Beast of a truck. I was driving a Nissan Frontier, and I remember pulling up in Mom and Dad's yard, and everything I owned was in that little extended cab with those two horrible seats. And and I pulled up in the front yard, and I knew I was going to get out and go inside, and all my family was there, and I was high. And I was worried about them recognizing the fact that I was high. And I remember backing out the driveway, and I went maybe 400 yards from my parents' house, and I pulled down the high line, and then I parked the truck in the high line, and I spent Christmas in my truck. And then I got to thinking about the amount of items that I had in my truck compared to what I had in my dad's house. Before I left and went my own way, I had everything a young man could want. I left home at 17 years old, and I probably left with a U-Haul. By the time I made it back, everything would fit into a duffel bag. And sometimes I think in our pursuit for peace, our pursuit for joy, the things that we begin to pack away in the back of the house, it's funny how the further you get from God, the more desolate the room becomes, the more empty the items go. But the thing is, is the entire time we're picking up emotional baggage. You see, what kept me from going to my father's house was not the physical things. It was the things that I had picked up on the inside. The weight of shame was so heavy the fear that someone would look at me and say, what's wrong with you? We carry baggage that we no longer see. And to learn to clean that out, it took me years. It wasn't something, God was standing there the whole entire time, but you know that you can go before God and not know how to give him something? 
That's what I did. I stood there. I stood there in the presence of God and they, uh, with, with the anointing of the Holy Ghost on me and did not know how to lay something down because it had become so personal and I could no longer see it. So I had faith in the unseen, right? I had faith in God, but I had more faith in what I had picked up and carried with me. Brother David, thank you so very, very much for that. It spoke to me tonight. Can we all stand if you don't mind? Thanks to the kids that were in here for being respectful and quiet. The one thing that I'll say, I'm going to say this out loud just so y'all know. In the culture of today's world, it's something I do not like on a personal level. I'll tell y'all that. But in the culture of today's world, if our kids would not attend church inside the service until they were teenagers, think about it for a second. On Sundays now, we have one service and they sit in the back in Sunday school. On Wednesday nights, we have youth. If we have church during the summer, then that means not until they are serving most likely in the church as teenagers before they would ever walk into a service. And I told my wife, I said, I would really like for some of those kids to learn to sit in church. I got one ear shorter than the other one because I had to sit in church. There was a lopsided bush in front of our church because of me. That bald spot, that was from mama doing this <laughs> behind me during church. I think it's valuable for children to learn. And my wife made the comment. She said, I don't know if the parents of today's world would be willing to deal with it. I'm going to say something else because we're not on camera. For all of you who came from this church and been here a while, you know something that bothers me? It bothers me that of the group that should now be elders in this church, 95% of them, their children do not attend church. What are we doing in the back of the house, church? What does your house look like? Is church just at church? Or every now and then do we need to go to a little organization and say, as for me and my house, that's this house. We will serve and we're going to serve God while doing it. Heavenly Father, thank you, Jesus, for the opportunity that we have. God, I pray for the person here today who you have spoken to in this word, God, that they would go home and begin to wipe out the cobwebs, dust off the Bible, kneel down beside a child and pray for them, God, that they would... They would go to the corners and find the baggage and the things that they've carried around that's caused the shame. And they would say, God, I give it to you all over again. May who I project to be and who you have called me to be be one and the same, God. Let there be integrity. Let me be holy as you are holy. all of these in your wonderful name in the name of Jesus we pray can everybody do me a favor just say in Jesus name you know there's power in the name of Jesus the Bible says that every knee shall bow every tongue shall confess at the name Jesus Just for a minute, would you lift your hands all across the house? We're 
I know it's time for us to dismiss, but for just a minute, would you just talk to him? Heavenly Father, do what only you can do, God. May your sweet spirit, God, may the anointing, I pray, dear God, rest upon this church, upon these people, upon those that we touch. God, help us, I pray, dear God, to understand the places. Wash us, dear God. Make us clean, Lord. Let us give you glory in everything for who you are. Ask all of these in the wonderful name, in your name, in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. Can you give the Lord one more hand clap of praise because we were designed to worship. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Turn around, tell somebody that you're happy to see them on a Wednesday night. Come back Sunday morning, bring somebody with you, and let's have church all over again. I love you. Hey, on the way out the door, Mike's got an offering plate. If you would please, if you feel... Please, by all means, if you want to give in the offering, we didn't take up an offering. I don't like stopping it on Wednesday nights, but Mike is standing there and willing to take cash. Amen.